This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Have you ever noticed the similarity as well as the variations in the lives of the saints and holy people? God has reached out and touched them, and they listened. And have you ever thought about how many times God may have reached out for someone and they didn't listen, or didn't pay attention, or they just didn't believe? Or it hadn't occurred to them, although a saint may be in heaven, he or she may be sending us a message or two, pushing us in the direction God wants us to follow. Well, I want to tell you the story of a little girl born many centuries ago who paid attention and was favored with gifts that are literally out of this world. But to start our story, we have to travel back in time to Lima, Peru, on April 30th in 1586, before the pilgrims ever landed at Plymouth Rock. Peru was part of the Americas, and this was also the feast day of the great Italian Saint Catherine of Siena, who was later to play an important role in the entire child's life, even though Saint Catherine was born more than two centuries before. On that April date, Gaspar Flores, a businessman from Spain, and his wife Maria, a native of Lima, had another child whom they named Isabel, after her grandmother, who was very proud of the fact and was also a pretty headstrong woman used to having her own way. Although not wealthy, the Flores family had a housekeeper or helper named Mariana, who was needed to assist Maria with the household chores as well as that of all the children, but the baby, Isabel, was by far her favorite. One day when she was caring for little Isabel, she glanced at the child and it seemed to her that the face of the baby suddenly appeared to change into a beautiful rose. She probably thought her imagination was overactive, but told Maria that the baby was as beautiful as a rose. The mother looked at the child a moment, seeming lost in thought, and then she said that perhaps they should change her name to Rose. It's a prettier name. After all, she was named Isabel just to please the grandmother, and Rose was, well, a much prettier name. Her grandmother probably wouldn't mind. They would call her Rose. Oh, but the grandmother did mind, and the two women argued for three or four years, but the name Rose stuck. Little Rose's brothers and sisters had been taught to read, so the mother thought perhaps it was time for Rose to catch up with them. She was five years old, and her mother gave her a book of letters so she could start learning to read and write on her own. But the child couldn't make heads or tails out of the book. Now, Rose had been taught about God and prayer. She felt very close to God and loved to say prayers before her crucifix. She would like to read and write, but no one really was taking the time to teach her. So, during one of her prayers, she reasoned that since no one had the time to teach her to read and write, well she would pray to God and ask him to teach her. Every day she would kneel before a statue and pray, 
Lord, help me to know and to love you, and please teach me to read and write. None of the family paid any attention to her prayers. They were always too busy, too many things to do. But God listened. One day, little Rose ran up to her mother and said, Want to hear something wonderful? I can read and write. Well, her mother shrugged and frowned, telling the little child that lying was a sin. Rosa's reply was, I'm not lying. I can read and write. And with that, she took some paper and a marker and wrote down several letters that were perfectly formed. Well, you could imagine the frown on her mother's face as she probably wanted to know just who it was who taught her. Rosa's answer startled her. Rose said it was the Christ child who had taught her. She said, you were so busy, I asked him to teach me, and he did. Maria's frown was even deeper as she probably took a deep breath as she reached for a book with the title written in gold letters, and she handed it to Rose and pointed at the four-word title and said, what are those four words? Well, Rose reached for the book and with a broad smile that a child can so beautifully do, read the title, St. Catherine of Siena. Inside the book were many words telling of the life of this great saint, and Rose could read each one of them. The fact that Rose could read excited the family, but no one believed it was Jesus who had taught her. They had much to learn about their very special child, and it would take them a lifetime. Rose continued growing, becoming even more beautiful, but always, always praying that she could please God and that she was willing to spend her life doing just that. When Rose was about 11, the family moved from Lima to a mountain village not too far distant where her father felt the job opportunities were better. It was here that Rose was confirmed and, and considered herself as a soldier for Christ. But she was troubled by so many people making fun of the church. Pizarro had come from Spain and had conquered the area, making many of the Indians and natives, well, little more than slaves. And also with him were Spanish missionaries, only wanting to bring them the word of God. But the missionaries were ridiculed, suffering only guilt from association and not from deed. Rose wanted the natives to know and love God as she did, and she would pray for them over and over again, wanting to help but being so young, not knowing what to do. She told her older, older brother, Ferdinand, if I can't do great deeds, I can try to do little ones well. And that became her goal. In everything she did, she would offer it to God. Well, Rosa's father was disappointed with the job progress in the mountain village, and so the family moved back to Lima, where more and more she wanted to help the thousands of Indians and black people who were suffering so greatly. 
Settling into a new house with a large yard, Rose decided to help the family's resources by raising and selling flowers, which she tended with loving care. Well, Rose worked hard, and her flowers were popular sellers. And considering she was so very young, her family was concerned about her health. She was working too hard, and besides, she was small. She was also frail and looked tired. So they asked a family friend, Dr. John Perez, to stop by and have a talk with her and take a look at her, which he did. The good doctor spoke with her, talking about how long he had known her, but was concerned that she seemed tired, and her parents said she was always getting out of bed at night to pray and and didn't take care of herself. He told her that she could confide in him. Well, she thought for a moment and said, I just want to save souls, hundreds and hundreds of souls, and the only way I know how is by praying and suffering. The doctor shrugged and told her that she reminded him very much of a young man he knew in Lima, just a couple of years older than he. The boy's father was a man of prestige somewhere else, but his mother was black and lived in poverty. He said the very same things as you. His name was Martin de Porres, and for the last few years he's been helping the Franciscans at the monastery. Rose said that she had heard of him and, and hoped that he would save many souls. Later she would think more and more about Martin de Porres and that he must be wearing the white and black habit of the Dominicans like St. Catherine of Siena. But the monastery in Lima was for men. There would be no place for her there. And anyway, she was convinced that God didn't want her to be a nun. He wanted her to stay home and save souls by prayer. One day, Rosa's mother had a visitor, a wealthy lady named Doña Maria Pononias, who was also the niece of the archbishop and a lady who always practiced her faith with great devotion. She had stopped by to say hello as she was taking food and supplies to donate to the monastery and the convents and invited Rose to join her, which she happily accepted. The young child and the young woman got along famously as the carriage passed the beautiful sights of the city. Well, Rose's attention was focused more on the beggars and cripples than the monuments. Doña Marie said, I think I know what you're thinking. Rose said, if I were a boy, I'd be a Dominican. Doña Marie asked, why not a Franciscan or a Jesuit? And Rose said, because of St. Catherine of Siena. That was her answer. Rose continued, she was a Dominican tertiary and a wonderful woman. We have a book about her at home, and I believe I know every word in it by now. She never entered the convent. Then Rose said, I've asked St. Catherine to help me be like her. You see, when I was five years old, and then she told about how she learned to read and who taught her, and also told her of her great love of St. Catherine. Rose told her a secret. Catherine cut off her hair when she was young so she wouldn't be vain. 
And Rose said, when we were in the garden once, my brother Ferdinand put dirt on my pretty hair, and I was upset. And then I remembered St. Catherine, so I cut most of my hair off, too. And then I was proud of my curls, and I cut them so I wouldn't be proud anymore. I promised our Lord that I would always love him more than anything. Well, Dona Maria and Rose would become lifelong friends. When Rose was just about 12 years old, she built herself a little oratory or prayer site as far away from the house as possible where she could go and be by herself and pray. It was little more than a childish hut with a homemade altar and a crucifix, and it was a good place to be alone and pray. That was one of her favorite spots over the next three years. By now she's 15, and Mariana, the housekeeper, watched Rose grow from a baby to a young woman without ever losing her love for God. And while she saw most of the girls of that age looking for boys and parties, Rose was still concerned with saving souls from hell and trying to make herself even more pleasing to God. Rose and Mariana would often talk, and one day Rose told her a secret. She said, Tomorrow is the feast of St. Bartholomew, and it must be wonderful to live in heaven and see God all the time like St. Bartholomew does. And then she told Mariana a secret. She said, When I die, it will be on the feast of St. Bartholomew, August the 24th. Well, Mariana's reaction was quite strong, saying, People don't know when they're going to die. That's God's business. And besides, how do you know? Well, Rose just smiled and said, It was he who told me. We were to learn only later that, like St. Catherine of Siena, Rose also had a wonderful list of guests such as Catherine herself and even the Blessed Virgin who would visit her and guide her actions. But getting back to Rose and Mariana in the garden, a scream shattered the tranquility. A woman was screaming for help in the street. Well, Rose raced from her yard to the street where an old Indian woman had fallen. Mariana tried to pull Rose away, telling her that someone would take care of the woman and take her to a hospital, knowing that no such person would arrive, and Rose knew that too, so she took the woman to her own room in the house, saying, you either love your neighbor or you don't, and the woman would be the first of many that Rose would take care of in her room. Rose's mother was not at all pleased, but surprisingly her father, probably understanding Rose better, gave his permission. Her room became known as the infirmary, and countless people were brought there and cured of their ailments. Rose had a little statue of the child Jesus, and she would make them hold the statue, telling them the little doctor will help, diverting any attention from herself. And during this time, Rose's mother was becoming more and more antagonistic, saying her daughter will never marry and that people are talking. Rosa's father, Gasper, said, Maybe it is God's will. And this only made the mother more angry. 
There were many, though, who also felt that Rose would make a wonderful religious, including a wealthy but humble and religious man who had moved to Lima from Spain, Don Gonzalo, who was the husband of Doña Maria. He would attend Mass where his attention would turn to a beautiful young woman of just 20 years who was focused completely on the Mass. He couldn't take his eyes away from her as he recognized how totally lost she was in the sacrifice of the Mass. He knew that this had to be Rose Flores, and he remembered all that his wife had told him of her, and he felt that she should be in a convent, but rationalized that Rosa's father probably didn't have the proper dowry for for her to enter, so he made up his mind on the spot that he would pay the convent. She would have a choice of five different orders in Lima. Later, his wife, Doña Marie, told Rose that if God wanted her to be a Dominican sister, he would have seen fit that there was a Dominican convent in Lima. And Rose's only reply was that St. Catherine of Siena wasn't a nun. She was a tertiary, just as she was. After weeks of soul-searching, Rose reluctantly agreed to become an Augustinian nun at their monastery in Lima. Her brother Ferdinand was taking Rose to the Augustinian monastery and stopped for a brief prayer at the Dominican church where Rose knelt at the rosary shrine. And when she attempted to stand up, well, she couldn't move. It was as if she was paralyzed, so she called for Ferdinand for help. He was not able to budge her at all. Rose appeared stuck in a kneeling position. In desperation, Rose looked up at the statue of Our Lady, and then it became clear to her. God did not wish her to become an Augustinian. He had other plans for her. She offered a prayer. Dearest Mother, I won't be a nun if it isn't God's will. I'll go back home and live with my family and do my very best to serve him well there. And as she spoke the words of her prayer, it was as though her legs were unglued. She stood up knowing what God wanted. A few weeks later, Rose joined the Dominican order as a tertiary too, and she was radiant with joy as she received her habit of black and white, just like St. Catherine of Siena wore more than 200 years before. Don Gonzalo and Doña Marie watched Rose over the next 12 months, becoming even more convinced that she was following God's exact plan for her. And one year later, at the age of 21, and completing her year of discernment and probation, she was now a real member of the Dominican order, like Catherine of Siena and her friend Martin de Porres. To all outward appearances, Rose appeared much the same as in the past, except her personal sacrifices were increasing. Much to the chagrin of her mother, who constantly chastised her for trying to do too much. But as usual, she would only repeat that we are all called to be servants of God and our neighbor. And she quietly practiced what she was preaching, hoping that her deeds would go unnoticed by everyone around her. On Palm Sunday in 1610, Rose was now 24 years old and had gone to Mass, and when the palms were distributed, she was the only person in the church not to receive one. 
and of course was bitterly disappointed because the palms would be a constant reminder of Jesus. She glanced at the rosary shrine where the Blessed Mother had approved her vocation earlier, and something very strange happened as she uttered a silent prayer of thanksgiving. The Blessed Mother smiled at Rose, and holding the infant in her arms, the child said, Rose of my heart, be thou my spouse. There there were no words that could possibly express her joy at that time. And later in the day, she asked Ferdinand if he would get her a ring. I'm sure to her, it would be a symbol of her union with Christ. Naturally, Ferdinand agreed and asked if she would like it engraved, to which, to which Rose replied, What words would you suggest? He thought for a moment, and then undoubtedly divinely inspired said, How about, Rose of my heart, be thou my spouse? And the ring was made and worn as a symbol of her union with God. In her little sanctuary in the back of the garden, her friend Doña Maria came to visit her and invited her to live with her and her husband, Don Gonzalo, and while it was a tempting invitation, she decided to remain where she was to be accessible to so many people who came asking for prayers and help and most received the favors they needed. And whenever she was approached for a favor, she would have them touch her small statue of Jesus, saying, The little doctor will help you, avoiding any implication that she was responsible. Desiring the life of a hermit, she asked that she have her own small building in which she would live. Well, small is not the right word. She requested that it be only five feet by four feet, and there she would live and pray with the small altar she had built on which her crucifix rested. She and Ferdinand built the little house that was to be her sanctuary. When she was 30 years old, Ferdinand announced that he was going to join the army, and she told him that he would be sent to Chile where he would be married and have a child whom they would name Mary Rose. And that is exactly what happened. One day her friend Doña Marie would visit her. They spoke about the future, and and Rose became sad and told her friend that one day there would be a Dominican convent in Lima, and she and Doña Maria, she, Doña Marie, would be its first prioress. Rose continued to live in her little hermitage where she offered her prayers to God, and, and he would frequently appear to her as a little child, encouraging her to continue her life as she was doing his will, and she was flooded with many graces. One day, her mother stormed into her little hut in a rage. Doña Maria had told her what Rose had predicted. Rose very quietly said that Doña Marie's husband and five children would one day die, and she would indeed enter the new convent to be named the Monastery of Santa Catalina, after Catherine of Siena. Her mother was even more enraged when Rose told her that she, her mother, would also become a nun there. Of course, Rose did not tell her that St. Catherine of Siena had told her all of this. 
When Rose was 29 years old in 1615, she was startled by a huge crowd that suddenly appeared in the garden by her little hermitage. The people were in terror. It seems that a fleet of Dutch pirate ships were anchored off a nearby harbor, and these pirates were known for their hatred of the church and left a trail of burned churches, destroyed villages, and took children and women as slaves, and that that they had a special hatred of the Eucharist. And now they were anchored nearby. They could attack at will. Rose calmly told the assembled group that they would have nothing to fear, but that she would say some special prayers for the intercession of St. Mary Magdalene to protect Lima and its people. After all, the next day was St. Mary Magdalene's feast day, and the next day the Dutch ships sailed away never to set foot in Lima. A few days later, Rose's priest came to see her. He told her that her friends were worried about her, that she was looking tired and gaunt from her many sacrifices, and that, as her superior, it was his wish that she go to live with her friend Doña Marie and her husband, and, as a Dominican, she was obliged to obey his wishes. Rose reluctantly agreed with the specific request that she be given the smallest room in the home, and both the famous and the poor would come to ask favors through Rose, and Doña Marie would recount miracle after miracle, such as the mother who came to plead for her son to give up the evil and worldly lifestyle he was living. Rose prayed for him, and the boy turned his life around overnight and became a priest. It continually preyed on Doña Marie's mind, Rose's prediction of her death on the upcoming feast of St. Bartholomew. Rose seemed better, her color was better, and she seemed more energetic, but somehow the feast and the predictions continued to worry her. As if to read her mind, Rose made a specific request. She asked that Doña Marie and her own mother would prepare her body for burial. Doña Marie shuddered because the feast of St. Bartholomew was only four months away, and she was even more concerned could this be the year. She found Rose one day almost paralyzed, gasping for breath. All types of medication was tried without success. Over the next days, as Rose suffered intense pain, her condition worsened. And now it was the night before St. Bartholomew's feast day, and Rose wished to see her parents one last time. There was a sad reunion, but Rose seemed radiantly happy, even through her suffering. As midnight approached, Rose's weary body suddenly took on a look of extreme beauty as the clock struck midnight, the feast of St. Bartholomew. Rose smiled and said, Jesus, be with me, while looking at her crucifix, and then all was still. Rose's mother quietly said, My little girl has gone to heaven. A young woman had died in Lima that night, and a new saint had entered heaven. Rose's body lay in state while thousands of people paid their last respects, and miracle after miracle were reported, too numerous to mention. Oh yes, the convent she had predicted was built, and yes, Doña Marie was the first prioress. 
along with Rose's mother, who had also joined the convent. Rose was canonized as saint by Pope Clement X in 1671 and was the first Catholic of the Americas to be named a saint. There are many towns in America named after this holy woman, usually bearing the name Santa Rosa. Pope Benedict XVI has a great devotion to St. Rose. And when you may be in need or have a problem, or when you see a beautiful rosebud, pause and remember St. Rose of Lima, one of the most beautiful flowers in God's heavenly garden. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.